When going through this podcast, a lot of the things that we discuss revolve around brands, building a a lasting, impactful brand, building a brand that matters. And this is advice that we've been given by people like Javier Mesa of Coca-Cola or Melanie Hewitt of Serta Simmons, but they all represent one brand, right? They represent Coca-Cola or Serta Simmons mattresses, right? They represent a very specific brand and they build that brand entirely. It becomes a completely different equation when you have to represent several different brands and you have to build several different brands that all have different impacts on different cultures all over the world. That is extremely challenging, but it's something that our guest on today's podcast does incredibly well. Jody Harris is the Global Vice President of Marketing Culture and Capabilities at ABMBev. Now, That might be one of the most interesting titles that I've ever heard, and she'll talk about that in this podcast, but she oversees incredible brands such as Budweiser and Corona, brands that we've all heard of and we're all around every single day. So if you're interested in what the alcohol industry is doing, how they're branding, how they're changing and pivoting and doing different things, but also keeping the fundamental marketing principles that we all know and love, then this is a great episode for you. So enjoy the conversation. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast episode. Joining us today on our CMO series is Jody Harris from a little-known brand called ABM Bev, and she's actually the Global Vice President, Marketing Culture and Capabilities with ABM Bev. She's got plenty of experience in the industry, plenty of experience in marketing, and it's going to make for an incredible podcast episode. Jody, it's really a pleasure to have you on today. Hi, Jake. Thanks. Thanks for having me afar. <laughs> of course. Now, the first question I do have for you is kind of around that title. Um, you know, it, it does include that marketing culture aspect. And we know how valuable it is for today's brands to maintain cultural relevance and to continue, continue to shift towards that. So from your perspective, I'd love to hear what that role looks like in terms of the objectives or what just connecting a culture even means for today's brand? It's a very good question. And quite frankly, one I get a lot uh, because the title is, and the role actually is quite unique, um, definitely unique for, for our company as well. So uh, to give a little bit of background, my, my, my whole life really has been dedicated to consumer insights and strategy really understanding, you know, what makes people tick, understanding different cultures around the world and how we can build brands around um, solving people's needs really by, by understanding, you know, them as individuals. And um, we realized in need a few years back um, that not only did we need to connect with people, consumers, our consumers, uh, with our brands in new and interesting ways, um, we needed to do that from the inside first. We needed to start with our internal culture. And so I, uh, with, with a few others, we created a group called Culture and Capabilities. And it's, you know, what I like to call the three C's. It's, it's capability building for our internal uh, marketers, 
right? Upskilling programs and being able to, you know, embed and empower, uh, embed tools, empower them to collaborate and, and be creative, uh, which links to the second C around creativity, right? The, the power of our brands and unleashing ingenuity um, to, you know, go even beyond communications, of course, to um, think about branded platforms and utility that we can offer people. Um, and that's actually been our Trojan horse, to be honest, <laughs> to build yeah. capability. And then the last one's really around culture, right? And this one's important because we've got we've to evolve our internal cultures, right? Especially as the world is changing to be closer to society so that we can impact culture in a different way. Um, and so uh, our team is, it's global uh, in nature. Uh, we've got teams in every market around the world working with the marketing teams to basically help them to be the best they can be. Yeah, certainly. I think that's an uh, incredible insight into, you know, what that looks like and even at a global scale. Now, when it comes to alcohol, it, it is so connected to uh, culture, right? I mean, when you think about the social setting and the nature of it, but it's also kind of a unique purchasing process and brand obviously plays, you know, a vital role in doing so. So, you know, as you think about changes in cultures, particularly with this next generation aging up, uh, you know, those millennials and, and now Gen Z that is now coming of age to legally consume alcohol in the United States, as you kind of think about those changes in social settings, I'd be curious to hear from you, how does that kind of impact what you do from a, from a brand perspective and how you can continue to connect with culture with all the different brands, being that all the, you know, the products that you sell and offer are going to be so connected to the social settings, to those, you know, family friend moments per se, to sharing, you know, a drink and all these different settings. Um, I know that's quite a loaded question, but I just love to hear your thoughts on like how you connect those unique consumer behaviors with what you do from a brand and marketing perspective. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually a great question because this is the very definition of uh, the evolution of what we need to do as, as marketers, right? So I think, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, though. Um, and first and foremost, it's, it's clear, especially as you're going through these changes, that the fundamentals of marketing, um, you know, they're quintessential, right? Before you, before you let the noise sort of filter in and jump on the next shiny new toy, you've got to go back to um, the, the very basics of, of what being a good marketer is all about, right? This is about really understanding and designing a growth strategy that's around um, your customer or your consumer behavior, right? The behavior you need to change and ensuring that you've got the right data and metrics in place, the right performance metrics in place so that you can uh, design the right programmings, uh, the program to, uh, to bring that ROI at the end of the day, right? Um, you need to make sure you have solid brand positioning, right? Um, it goes back to, you know, to sort of mm -hmm. the four P's that we all learn in, in university. Um, and you have to think about joint business planning as well, right? The full funnel. And I think, you know, uh, in many businesses, particularly in alcohol, the direct-to-consumer business um, is still quite nascent because of policies and regulations, legalities. In the United States, we um, operate on a three-tier system, right? So we go through a wholesaler. You know, so I think even from a uh, yeah. thinking about joint business planning, we need to make sure that um, you know the the commercialization of our programming is is planned properly and is also executed to the best that we can.
But at the same time, you know, we need to recognize where the consumer is going, where people are going, and we have to adapt our plans to reach them, right? So this means our content strategy has to evolve, right? With, with all the new social platforms, entertainment platforms, yeah. streaming platforms that are coming along, brands have a big role there, right? Um, when you think about the frictionless economy, um, particularly uh, when you think about convenience and when you think about multi-touch or no touch um, in some case right now, right? Um, and also socialization, how people are, are like you mentioned earlier, right? How people are coming together. Uh, we're seeing, you know, a huge trend in terms of virtual socializing, um, but there's also this longing need for people to have a human touch and to be connected to each other um, in person. And so how do we do this safely? How do we reinvent what experience actually looks like? Um, and I'll give you one example of this. Um, there's a platform or an app called House Party. I don't know if, if you're on it. There you go. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. um, you know, what it, I think the beauty of House Party is that it's allowing people to connect, much like we are here on, on a Zoom call. <laughs> But it's also providing activity for people, right? With the games and quizzes um, that helps keep it fun and interesting, right? So people can actually create new memories over something simple as a trivia question, right? Um, instead of trying to find things to, to talk about or just, you know, recapping nostalgic memories. And so I think it's really important. And those digital capabilities as a marketer are going to be, you know, more important now than ever. So, um, you know, in my role in particular, um, my job is to upskill our entire marketing organization and bring in the right partners and also train those partners on, you know, things like personalization and using algorithms for connection moments. And so I think there's a whole landscape in terms of, um, you know, keeping the, the, the fundamentals of marketing protected, right? Recruitment strategies, positioning, as I mentioned, but the way in which we market is fundamentally changing. Yeah, certainly. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is kind of around that adaptability. Actually, from Charles Darwin being, it is not the most strong or most intelligent that survived, but the most adaptable. I know ABM Bev, you've continued to prove out that concept and continue to adapt, launching new brands time and time again that hit the ground running, essentially, when we think about Nicola Ultra and some of the campaigns run around that and that demographic. And then when we think about Bud White, and I know a big thing, at least here in the Midwest, has been a lot of billboards and TV spots around the simplicity of ingredients. So it, I, I think having that ability to adapt is always key. Similarly, myself as a consumer, as a 21-year-old, I see a lot of these trends, you know, just around my peers. And when I go out to the bars or when I go out to hang out with, you know, it, uh, friends and family and whatever it may be. And we always continually see kind of changes in the alcohol industry. So I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of what some of those trends are that might be bubbling up and how you are either approaching those or what your kind of philosophy is on like distinguishing a trend from a fad and then how do you actually position some of those brands That's and marketing? Another great question. Um, and, you know, I think some of the examples you gave are, are good when it comes to you know new innovation, right? And new product launches. Um, but one that I'd actually like to talk about because I think this is really important, particularly for um, young marketers coming into into companies, is um, 
is really moving from this notion of being, you know, the great communicator as a brand, right? Only thinking about the campaign and moving to branded platforms where, of course, communication plays a role, but the platform should be able to address whatever consumer need, you know, you need, you need, you need to solve for in order to, to grow your, to grow your, your base and the trends um, you can't wait 10 years to see if something's going to bubble up. You've got to be able, you got to take a bet. And so here, the, what we practice, um, and has been pretty successful for us is the notion of, of test and learn, right? And so by getting close to, to some of the, 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 the trends that may be bubbling up, we'll take an idea and we'll pilot it small and see where it gains some traction, and as we're, we're going through that process, we're learning in a very agile way, you know, daily looking at sales data, um, evolving the campaign uh, to support that, that innovation, let's say, or that platform um, on social by leveraging, you know, our in-house team and our partners um, the best that we can. And, you know, there's, there's, three, there's three trends actually that we're seeing. Um, particularly now that are related to the alcohol industry. Um, and the first is around uh, in-home socializing, right? We talked about House Party already as a, as a fun app, but that in-home uh, social occasion is, um, is becoming more important as you think about people connecting and, and, and getting to know each other even more on a very intimate basis. Um, and you're seeing this, this almost sense of community arise and get stronger. And, um, you know, that's coupled also with um, uh, entertainment at home, right? So socializing is a very important occasion for us, right? We've, we've seen our consumers adapt pretty quickly using technology. In fact, uh, we found that I think it's one in five of our consumers are now engaging in, in a social uh in social occasions with their friends. And we're seeing an increase of about 60% of media content within that, right? So even, you know, doing the, I think, Netflix um, groups, et cetera. So um, two areas that we've been able to tap into that, one is with Michelob Ultra. Um, we've been doing um, movement series or virtual workout classes on Facebook and YouTube um, <clears throat> for consumers at home. And then we host a happy hour right after that session. Um, with local gym owners, with trainers, so you don't lose you don't lose that in home social you don't lose that social experience in home um, that you would have had at a bar at a restaurant. But you're still we're still leveraging that passion point around health and wellness and fitness for the brand. And also an example I can give uh, from one of our uh, Brazilian brands uh, called Brahma, a um, little bit like Budweiser in the U.S. Um, we started seeing this trend of of live streaming content. And, um, you know, we, the, the, the brand is known for nostalgia and we tapped into, um, uh, that passion point and leveraged our partnerships, um, in Brazil with artists, with music, uh, musicians and became one of the biggest YouTube live, um, sessions in history, uh, because people were looking to connect, right. But, but over something fun and entertaining. And then the last trend that we're seeing, um, and not just in alcohol, but I think across the board is on meals, right? Dining in home. And it's not, you know, just the white tablecloth formal setting. It's snacking. It's on the go within home <laughs> in a way. Um, it's casual, fun meals. 
Um, and so we've been able, again, here to leverage a lot of our partnerships with, with chefs and with um, different organizations to provide shortcuts for people, um, but also find ways to, to pair some of our products and our portfolio in those moments. And as, and as a result, you know, ideas are coming out of that for innovation, for new platforms, for new business models. Um, and so the brand is actually evolving from, again, this like great communicator <laughs> role to a business model. And I think it's really important as you think about the future of where marketing is going to go and what the role that we have as marketers, as consumer problem solvers and brand builders in that. Of course. And I think that's some great examples that I I really encourage our audience where when you when you uncover those insights, you then have to make so many decisions accordingly. And as Jody and her team are kind of approaching that. These are not, you know, reading like a headline on a New York Times article and making a basis or reading a LinkedIn post and now that's our insight. This is, you know, this is hardcore consumer research. This is like really in-depth stuff because it does impact so much. So to all of our listeners here, as we're approaching that, as we're seeing those trends, it's so vital that we back up that research with actual data, with actual information, and then most importantly, position accordingly because... You know, the answer might be a marketing campaign skewing towards it. It might be the repositioning of a brand. It might be launching an entirely new brand, which obviously we've seen time and time again. So the next question I do have for you is around some of those brands. And now when whenever I ask my mom, I'm the oldest of three boys, whenever I ask her which her favorite child is, of course, you know, she all loves us equally and there's definitely not a favorite, but secretly I know I'm her favorite and that's without a doubt. So for yourself, I don't know if you can single out a favorite brand of yours, but is there one brand in particular that kind of stands out to you uh, that's unique from a marketing perspective and approach within doing so? I'd love to hear just like an example of one of those brands and what the what the particular brand positioning is for that brand. And I can even queue it up with, we talked with the president of uh, Pastel Ribbon, and I love his response on this. He's like, yeah, our PBR brand, we are blue collar, we are cutthroat. And we are just, you know, straight to the point. And that's what we want to be. We want to be like the average person's beer, uh, which I'm totally paraphrasing here. Matt, my apologies. I missed, missed you there. But Jody, from your perspective, <laughs> from your perspective, is there any brand that like stands out that I don't know whether or not it's your favorite, but stands out from you from a unique like positioning well, or marketing perspective? I do have a favorite. <laughs> um, and it's because it was built on a premise that I, I just truly believe and connect with, right? So it's, it's coming from a personal uh, perspective, but it's also because it fills a need in our category when we think about category growth um, and how consumers are evolving. And it's, it's a, a line extension under our Michelob Ultra brand called Pure Gold that we launched uh, a year and a half, almost two, oh, two years ago. Yeah. And um, it's, and this is a, it's a good story because it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, we saw the trend of health and wellness obviously happening for many years now. And that's, that's the, that's the core of what Michelob Ultra as a brand stands for. Um, but we saw a trend outside of our category around organic bubbling up for again, a while, but really taking on in mainstream, right. From, 
from stores to, I think, you know, other consumer packaged goods, mainstream consumer packaged goods um, using organic ingredients. And the challenge we ran into, we run into in beer is that, you know, oftentimes beer is not seen as the most, you know, um, the beverage that you would equate to health and wellness, right? Um, and we wanted to prove that wrong. And we did a lot of research, spoke to consumers. We actually spent time, weeks with consumers in their homes, doing jogs with them. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that, that type of research for your listeners is, is called ethnography. Um, and, you know, building empathy with, with people. And we realized that, you know, this brand has the right to extend here. Um, there is a growing population of, of, of people who are looking for a product like this. And it was interesting because when we did the consumer research at first and the concept, it didn't perform well at all. And we realized um, it's because it's new, right? People haven't yet accepted uh, a beer with organic ingredients um, into the repertoire, right? Into the beer world. And so we needed to take a unique approach with this. We believed in it and we pushed it through, um, which meant that, you know, we had to make sure our breweries were organically certified. We needed to make sure that all the way down to our supply chain, our farms, our crops, um, that they were organic certified, organic ingredients. Um, we needed to work with new retailers. We needed to work with retailers in a new way um, and make sure that, you know, our product get on shelf. Um, you know, previously, uh, mainstream beers, this is two years ago, right? Mainstream beers didn't have a, a space in, in Whole Foods on the shelf. And this allowed us, um, you know, to expand our, our channel, um, our channel strategy there. Right. So, um, and the communications, we couldn't just launch this like any other beer. And so we said, you know what, we're going to go big. We're going to go on the Super Bowl. We're going to leverage another health and wellness trend called ASMR at the time. Um, we brought in uh, Zoe Kravitz as our, as our lead. Um, and, you know, not a typical, you know, uh, person that you would think would drink beer, right? The, the, the hearty, you know, mainstream yeah. white male <laughs> beer drinker, right? Um, and it sort of sent a shockwave through, through, you know, through the industry and um, was actually one of the biggest successes we've had in our portfolio in the US in, in quite some time. And, um, and it also tastes great. <laughs> it's low calorie, low carb, and it tastes great because you know, the ingredients and the care that we put into it. So I love, I love telling that story because it wasn't just, oh, let's just go create this organic beer because everybody else is doing it. You know, it, there's a lot that goes behind this and you have to do it quickly in order to be relevant. Um, so, so I'd say that that's one of my favorites. Um, but a brand that, that I absolutely just love and is the, one of the reasons why I joined AB InBev almost 10 years ago, um, is Budweiser. And, um, you know, Budweiser is one of those brands that, you know, uh, stood the test of time. And as brand builders, we owe it to the founder, um, to continue on uh, all the great work from a creative perspective, the great beer, the recipe itself, um, especially as, you know, the trends come in and out about flavors and, and craft beer and new beers. Um, sometimes, you know, just a straightforward, great tasting, classic, 
blogger is, is, uh, could be the best. Yeah, of course. I think that's great insight into uh, certainly two brands that everyone's familiar with. I think that execution for the pure gold nickel ultra, that was, I mean, that was an incredible execution, you know, really jumping on that trend of the ASMR and then also just like the style, the setting. I know personally, I remember seeing that. That caught my attention. Obviously, I'm in marketing, so I'm a little bit more like years 10 to it. The Chiefs also played. So this is a big Super Bowl for us here in Kansas City as well. So uh, I think that was an incredible execution and a really great example of what I would say is leveraging that consumer insight and then really pushing the boundaries in terms of innovation. I mean, you mentioned how it, it hasn't really been done before and, and it's not just uh it's not just you sitting up in the marketing boardroom and saying, All right guys, we're gonna watch this new brand. It's like, wait a sec, we have to brew this product and we have to make it and then we have to get it on the shelves and it's gonna be made with organic grains and no one's really done this before and how do we actually do this and how do we make this only two point five grams carbs because our consumer base is gonna want that. So um, I think it's so vital that marketing it it really seems to be more and more connected with new product innovation and new product development. So the final, final question I have for you, the PS almost, is kind of around that, you know, from your perspective, what is the role of marketing in product innovation and, and what does that look like at ABM Dev? I know, um, I, I think I've heard a, a separate podcast um, with one of the CMOs at ABM Dev who, who kind of mentioned having like a specific designated innovation team, which I'm sure we can't we can't really talk about what's going on there at all. But what does that look like from a process standpoint? Is that like consistent conversations and dedication to that innovation? Um, and how do you kind of connect those two? Because it seems more and more that the kind of the line between new product development and marketing tends to kind of be fading away. And you see more and more collaboration uh, necessary to continue evolving. Uh, AB InBev innovation actually sits within the marketing department. And I think that's crucial. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a, a pretty big team who is dedicated to, you know, foresight, right? Not just the trends that are happening today, but where the world's going in the future. And then being able to translate that into, um, you know, a plan, uh, you know, three, four, five, ten 10 years out in terms of those consumer and, and societal trends. Um, and then our, our team is really in place to, you know, build up the concepts, test out the concepts, work with partners, partners, you know, from our supply team, our R and D team, our brewers, um, external partners to really challenge, um, you know, the, the, the current landscape and think about how we can build, uh, the right portfolio of the future to address, people's needs. And sometimes it is to support the brands that we have, right? Looking at line extensions or looking at platform extensions and innovation isn't just around product, right? Innovation could be around um, digital products and experiential uh, platforms as well. And that's why I brought that up earlier in the, in, in the interview. Um, you know, it, it's not just about this, this tangible thing that you perhaps drink, um, but a brand has a role to, you know, really address consumer problems across the board. And that business model approach is really important. Um, but then, you know, so, so what we do is we say, listen, you know, we can either think about launching something for the masses because it's 
maybe it's a renovation on a packaging um, that could actually help people to drink more, um, you know, with convenience or make something taste a little bit better um, or the carbonation to flow a little bit differently um, in the beer. Or it could be, you know, a completely new opportunity that we have to test it out first. So that piloting methodology is really important so that we can learn as we go, right? We're going to make mistakes. Anyone's going to make mistakes as you're trying something new. So how do you do that in a way that um, you're learning from it and you're getting better, getting stronger with that? And so it really depends, right? It depends on, on the strategy of, of the project. If it's going to be something we're going to go big on or if it's something that we're going to, to pilot and test and, and see how, how we go. Um, you know, there's, there's other ways of doing it too. Like joint ventures with, with, with other brands. Um, we, we launched about a year ago or so uh, a brand called Drinkworks, which is a joint venture with Keurig. And um, if you can imagine having a little coffee pod uh, to have your morning coffee at home, um, you can now have uh, a drink, an alcoholic beverage. Um, so, you know, but that, that took, uh, that took time and piloting and, and a lot of learning because it became a new capability for us as a company. Definitely. I think, uh, those are all incredible examples and I love the dedication towards innovation, particularly in larger firms, which sometimes don't have such an adaptable approach, but I think you all have continued to prove out that model. It's been incredible to see, and it's also been incredible to enjoy from a consumer perspective as well. And I know I'll be uh, on the beach later and we'll probably have to pick up either some Coronas or um, I'll have to get the pure gold to try. I think maybe I've tried them a few times here and there. I'm not much of a drinker, but we're on vacation here. So for our listeners here, final little action item I have for you. Uh, and this is going to come from trendsetters as well. That's kind of my disclaimer. If you go ahead and screenshot this, segment uh, of the podcast, upload that to your Instagram story, tag myself in that. I will Venmo you about $15, which you can use to purchase whatever you like. If you purchase it uh, with alcohol, if you're above 21, awesome. And if uh, if not, you know, keep the 15 bucks and go do whatever you do with 15 bucks, maybe buy two Chipotle burritos. But anyway, thank you all for tuning in today, Jody. It was an honor to have you on today. Uh, this was an incredible episode and can't thank you enough for that. Jake, it was so great to meet you and to talk. And I'm going to tell you that that little uh, Venmo activity, that's about the fundamental right there, right? Loyalty. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, thank you all for tuning in and I will see you next time.